bad shoe, bad penny and dime Technically a criminal is tough on crime One baddie, two baddie, three baddie, four Try to kick his ass and he will kick your poor brain castle That was our beautiful theme song, I'm sure, by Libby Hunt right at the top there. And uh, you're listening to Punisher, the only Punisher episode recap podcast where one of the hosts is not really sold on the premise of the show, The Punisher. How are you? And uh, that's me. I'm Donnie. And joining me as always is the incomparable uh, Scotland educated Libby Hunt. Libby, how are you? Here she is. I am swell, and I think that we're wearing you down on your feelings about the Punisher, so I'm really Uh, looking forward to the continuation of our journey together. Now, what makes you think that I like this Punisher man? You know, I, I don't know. Well, I do know. So, now that the season is starting to ramp up a little bit, we are on episode three now. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. We've got the introduction of a character that I thought that you might enjoy and a newfound rapport that I think you'd be really into, all of which we'll be getting into very soon. So, Libby, uh, you time for Foggy's Bar. You drinking anything, Libby? <laughs> I am. I am sipping on a glass of rosé for my brosés that are now found in this episode. excellent excellent not not foggy's bar without a terrible pun right no that's true foggy would or a terrible reason for drinking (laughs) (laughs) yes uh and today we're drinking because uh it's the met ball all the stars are out uh jared leto is carrying a super dumb paper mache version of his own head oh classic but lots of armor and shoulder capes in this uh in this new fashion economy that we have uh libby who's who's your favorite person you've seen down on the gold uh museum carpet um i was a really big fan of serena williams she's wearing this beautiful yellow dress with uh like fuchsia flowers all over it but she's also wearing some baller bright yellow sneakers and the photo i saw of her she's just got one of them poking out oh man being all coy about it i'm like damn you're so cool i could run if i wanted to yeah which who knows met ball um I've, I've seen a lot of outfits that i've really liked so far i just sent you janelle monet which i know you saw it's great so oh, great yes. always um uh, five seven eight two one electrify beta yeah <laughs> i do have to say though when i read the uh when i read the theme earlier today my first thought was camp and i thought about like nature and trees and like wait did you say plaid. camp camp that's the theme, the theme is this camp? year yeah no one is camping no one no. is even dressed a little like camp no but everybody is campy Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. See, that's the same mistake I made. I was like, I'm confused. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it is the Met Ball, so I, or the Met Gala. So I feel like if they had gone for a woodland theme, I don't know. For the first time ever, I have to reevaluate my opinion of what I said about Jared Leto. (laughs) Should I give you a moment? And the moment's passed. Moment uh, of silence for Jared Leto's <laughs> paper mache head. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I'm drinking, uh, forgot to mention, I am drinking a 
Bamboo rum, which I might have been drinking last week. I do not remember, but here I we think are. You, I mean, you were drinking rum last time, so. Then it would be chance. that. It's my very favorite rum. Uh, well, today we normally, this is normally the part of the show where we do, uh, what do I think is going to happen on this episode of The Punisher? But editing the second episode of The Punisher, I'm beginning to think that segment is self-indulgent. And we're going to try not doing it for a week or so and see how that works out. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I'm fine uh, with that. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Libby, you got this episode recap for us? Can you tell yeah, us I all mean, about Kandahar? Kandahar. I mean... So since since this is kind of a new thing that we're mm-hmm. not doing this other thing, am I yeah. do I give like a brief recap or uh yeah why don't you hit why don't you hit us with that scene up oh god okay um well because obviously I took a lot of notes um well this is the episode where we have micro being tortured by Frank for information question mark um and. We also get a great deal of backstory about Kandahar, the place that we heard a lot about in the previous episode that we know that Madani is a part of the investigation about and all. So this episode is great for answering questions like what happened in Kandahar? How close are Billy and Frank back in the day? Uh, Is micro great and potential comic relief, etc.? So if you're doing a report on Kandahar, be sure to reference this episode in your biblio. Uh, how did we how did we start this episode exactly? With water. Oh, right. Strangely, not on Frank's face. <laughs> no, a, a rare non-Frank face. A rare, not wet Frank. But indeed, it is a wet, naked micro who is tied to a wheelie chair. Very in shape for a hacker, I noticed. Well, I mean, he's been in hiding for what... A year or so now. Well, and we'll find out exactly why he is such a buff boy in a little bit, I think. Frank is interrogating him, which I think is a cool move for the Punisher to, as in a way, as a way of taking a meeting, is just, I'm just going to torture the meeting out of you. I like, that's that's very on topic for him, but I really like the line uh, that he, you're interrogating a man who's ma- who's waited months to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so true. <laughs> Because I also felt like he wasn't asking a lot of questions. No. And Michael was really like, I just want to talk to you. And even when, even after he started talking, Frank was still like, cool, I'm still going to keep you tied to this chair. He seemed to do like a very low key, like arm swipe with the knife. Where he's just like, I'm going to cut you twice really quick. No, he wasn't doing an arm swipe. What he was doing was wiping the bean stuff off on his arm oh right <laughs> we got another segment of the frank castle cooking show i forgot what's frank like eating beans. today <laughs> it's beans what's frank loudly chewing like a neanderthal this time it was so tough it was tough frank uh, i wrote can of beans tough frank <laughs> i wrote micros's hair looks like a ski cap <laughs> <laughs> interesting observation it kind of does um Mm -hmm. also before it gets away from us somewhere in there is a frank and beans joke beans and franks thank god you shot that one in the knee so we can catch up to it before it got away (laughs) (laughs) i also i also really liked uh right before we got to the intro i love frank eating beans and like bouncing up and down like oh i'm excited to watch the punisher Yeah. What am I going to do today? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, I think it's great, especially once we are deep into this episode and we're seeing the experience that Frank had 
in war, he's really channeling all of those things right now. He knows how to interrogate. We see that military side of him. Is it unwarranted? Sure. But does it give us a clear understanding of what we may be about to experience with all of the uh, flashback scenes it became pretty clear early on that this whole episode was basically going to be the interrogation back and forth and it was nice to see the punisher slow down a little bit and it's also important because it would while interrogation tactics are super on brand for the punisher it would be very off brand for him to trust this dude so quickly when he pulls that eyeball thing is that right at the beginning are we there yet oh the retinal scan Yeah, that was an interesting tactic. Micro is smart as fuck. He is, and also he kind of assumes that Frank Castle is a dumb a little bit and doesn't know anything about computers or anything. Yeah. And I like that. He is. (laughs) This is a glaring weakness that he has in this upcoming war, you know? Definitely. And I really like Micro's entering his passwords with a pen for like simultaneous uh, keystrokes. I thought that was very cute. Okay, so uh, an alarm goes off. Micro's like, hey... I have rigged this place and we're all going to go kaboom if I don't put my eye up on this thing. So Frank cuts him free on just one arm, I think. Like, <laughs> kind of drags him over to the to the thing because he doesn't believe him at first. And then Micro's freaking out. He's like, come on, man. <laughs> he does. He has, he has learned from his mistake and invested in zip ties. Yes. And he's got a lot of them now. Which we know because he replaces them at least four a lot times. Of tie in this episode. Close in this one. I was I was thinking about actually, you know how like you know how in I don't know if this is something that sound silly now, but you know how in like boxing potentially uh, mm-hmm. people like run around a little bit just to tire out their opponents and then they can like come in and win. I feel yeah. like that's kind of what Micro was doing. He was like, maybe if I do this enough times, <laughs> he'll run out of zip ties <laughs> and then I'll have to be free. <laughs> <laughs> then he can make a run for it. Yeah, it was a whole ploy purely surrounded by zip ties. I I, I, appre- I appreciate that his lap also was not covered in empty chip bags like I predicted it would be. He's not like other uh, IT nerds in hiding no he sure he's ain't a, he's a cool <laughs> nerd in hiding. Um, <laughs> why is that so we cut to him uh he okay wait no backtrack mm-hmm. so he starts talking is the thing after the mm-hmm. after the retinal scan then he's like all right fine i was an nsa analyst um and then he tells us and he tells Frank that he received the this disc amidst all of the other bullshit that he usually got um, that was lies being told. But this thing actually seemed legit. And then it cuts to a flashback of him sitting at his kitchen table with his wife. And he's like, this is some real shit. And I need to report it to somebody. What if they cover it up? Like, I feel like I have a responsibility to make people know that this exists and his wife is like don't do it yeah (laughs) follow the chain of command like you know what's gonna happen i just don't understand what is that disc why did they send it to you i'm the assigned analyst that's what they're meant to do they send me actual real intelligence and then i you know i assess it and and decide how to deal with it it's actually i could do my job for the first time in five years you want me to tell you it's okay so that if this all blows up it won't be your fault David, I just, 
I can't do that. You know, everything that we teach them about being good human beings, that's what this comes down to. This is why I took this job. This is why we are here, and I'm not writing apps in Silicon Valley. How am I supposed to look these guys in the eye knowing that I didn't have the guts to do the right thing? <clears throat> I really liked his acting here. Like, um, just it's I really got that vibe where he was like, I want to do the right thing, but I am not this hero type, and I'm not going to make a big hero monologue and sound cool the whole way through it, you know? Right. Yeah. And um that that bit where he's where he said um that this whole thing has been a monumental monumental waste of his time. Mm-hmm. That felt very real. And I wonder like I wonder if that's a big thing at the military where a lot of times you just probably don't do a lot while being like the top smartest, toughest person you right. know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then just have to spin your wheels under orders. And then I mean, and then when you're given the opportunity to actually do some good or some some justice you know he says he makes that he makes that comment of like i could be making millions make, building apps in silicon valley right now you know <laughs> mozzarella sticks which is Shake also like true you could you look like one of those people anyway you know yeah i like this i like this tech vet vibe also yeah um i'm interested in all the, in this wide variety of veterans that we're getting in this show oh definitely which i think is a really important thing to shed light on also is the fact that you know there's not one cookie cutter understanding of what a veteran is you know not everyone is frank castle in fact most people are not um but everybody's touched by it in one way or another um so mm -hmm. I feel like the show is really good at, at shedding light on that. Um, it's fine. What's next? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is just a really like one off side note, um, but I really like uh -huh. that the orange juice was called tree ripe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> well, I, uh, I feel like we should try and keep an eye out for little things like that. Cause I have a feeling, names, yes. I have a feeling there's going to be more of that. <laughs> I just I just love all these uh, details that really fill out the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. So you know, all these references and labels. So good. Yeah, it's really good. Anyway, so <laughs> Micro is having a moral conflict and he decides we see him, you know, having this conflict with himself in his kitchen, and then he bites the bullet metaphorically and ends up sending the video off and who does he send it to but dina madani madani we on the upper west side right next to the met yeah so we are in the upper west side next to the met driving jackie l reservoir playing a fun game mom and dad and the kids oh yes what is this game i think that it's kind of like I think it's guess that animal. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. But I didn't. I only heard the one question, so I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're they're guessing a four legged vegetarian animal. I don't. Know. And they're stuck in terrible traffic, and Micro is super paranoid, obviously, because he just sent the email off to Madani the night before, and he's looking around and he's like, "Oh, this traffic!" And then he sees these military guys get out of a car not too far behind their car and he's like wife children 
don't panic. I gotta leave. And just <laughs> gets out of the car and fucking runs away. <laughs> yeah, fucking moves on this And you're guy. like, uh, micro. Dude, what? He like kisses his wife. He's hey. like, goodbye. And just books it. Never get, don't get out of the car. And he fucking books. Like, uh, terrifying Oh, oh shit, one second. What? Upper East Side. I got that wrong. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, as many times as I've been to New York, I never know where I am. So I could not have corrected you otherwise you know you know i pride myself on my new york geography now you're never gonna forget this uh yeah so he bolt he books it for the jackie o reservoir and who should stop him but our old bad boy with the beard what's his name carson wolf carson wolf blitzer johnny carson wolf blitzer so johnny 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 blitz stops him (laughs) in his tracks and he's like gets up on the railing with his hands in the air and johnny keeps being like put down the weapon i guess as like sound evidence because he's clearly not holding one yeah he's like i do not have a weapon what are you doing no no and then his wife shows up and he's like sarah no don't like go Mm -hmm. go away please oh god like and everybody's freaking out there's like three or four guys with guns now and he gets shot and he goes over the ledge of the railing that he's leaning on and into the water but fortunately he got hot fuzz saved by his cell phone in his breast pocket where everyone keeps their yeah, cell phone that's why you should always keep your <laughs> your flip phone <laughs> In your breast pocket. (laughs) Are you a hacker who needs to be on their phone all the time? Try your breast pocket. (laughs) (laughs) He's not Judge Judy and Executioner. He is. So they shoot him. He goes into the reservoir. I don't know how they covered this up with his wife, but I guess they did. Right? Were they like, we can't find the body? That's the only thing that I like really wonder about is how if you fall into the river like just then you're probably going to be able to find the body pretty fast. Well, but I think that that, I think that question should stick in our minds, though. Yes. How, how did that work? Did he escape alone? We shall maybe find out, but not anytime soon. No, not today. And I don't, actually genuinely don't remember, so <laughs> it'll be a journey for all of us. Great, I can't wait. Um, cool. Then, cut to Madani and chump whose name i learned later in the episode so i called him chump for now Oof. which i feel i feel okay about. yes this guy came off as too likable for how he is now i think at the beginning yeah i don't know he's just like i was kind of into him before but now he's just being a big chump yeah he's just a chump whatever i, d- I don't have enough thought matter to give yeah. to him so, but he's basically moment. just like hey i thought uh anything throwing stuff back at her face and being a waste of waste of time and being he's like, like boring podrick <laughs> yeah he's boring podrick with no chance of sexy redemption yeah no chance definitely can't sing can't sing can't fuck can't fight tune in later for our <laughs> game of thrones recap podcast <laughs> rusty burnthals <laughs> yeah okay. where's podrick's dick now yes anyway <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, Podrick. Uh, they are talking about the investigation into Carson Wolf's death. And they're like, well, you know, if he shot himself in the leg and broke his own neck, then 
maybe it wasn't a murder, <laughs> but it probably no paperwork. <laughs> but it seems like it probably was a murder. There were no zip ties at the scene, so we can't be sure. And Madani's all like, you know, I think they're kind of mutually like, well, this guy sucked. But also Madani's like, yeah, he is one of us. So to appease him or as a bit or did she mean it it's kind of hard to say because i don't think at this point that madonna i think that madonna feels like he was an asshole but i i think that she does feel that sort of camaraderie i wonder if it's the sort of thing where like yes he was an asshole but also like maybe everyone's an asshole to her so she's not just gonna write everybody in the world off right yeah i don't i don't i don't don't know because i i would have thought i would have thought she wasn't being serious especially with like the comical way that they found his body but then um but then later in the episode when she's talking to her mom her mom i mean jumping ahead slightly but her mom is like you feel guilty for disliking this man I don't know. We'll get to it. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's complicated. But she feels like, you know, regardless of how she feels about him, they're going to investigate it. Much more diplomatic with her feelings than Frank Castle. Yes. A professional in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so then we see our dear friend, beautiful Billy, and he is visiting Curtis. And throwing off big Ben Schwartz vibes, I think. I've now realized <laughs> Big who? Technically, I'm homeless. Oh, Ben Schwartz. Yeah, so true. Another babe. Babes on bips. Another babe. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. Really? Yeah, dude. Ugh, I didn't know. I don't want to watch the trailer because I'm gonna be upset. Oh, you gotta watch the trailer. I'm a. I'm Detective Pikachu or bust. I don't need to see anything else right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> You're in Pakistan. I feel you. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so Billy visits Curtis. He is hand delivering a check, which is an illuminating moment because we realize that Billy and his company and Bill are the ones helping to pay for Curtis to do what he does in running this uh, vet support group. We like Billy. We like Billy. We love Curtis. We love Curtis, He's of course. The salt of the earth. Big Billy episode this episode. Big also. Billy episode. Anyway, you know, they kind of have this they have this conversation where you get an idea of kind of the dynamic between the two of them. Like Curtis is clearly the older, respected one and billy is like the young handsome like go-getter he what does he say he says mover and shaker man of wealth and taste billy's like (laughs) billy's like i don't even know what you're talking what do you what do you not like that about me (laughs) you're like billy shut up we get it you're extremely attractive billy you got a face Um, boy but billy's like you should just come work for anvil because we would take care of you and curtis is kind of like no, thank you. Like, I get it, but I don't want that. Yeah. Which, to me, is like, raises a flag. I don't know what color the flag is, but it raises a flag. It is a flag, though. I do like, also, that we have, like, wealthy pretty boy vet. Yeah, you know? yeah. Was he wealthy before he joined? Well, and way. Curtis is very much like, um, so we, do, we, I guess we don't really know a lot about Billy's backstory yet, do we? No. Okay, well, I will no, avoid we it for- I know nothing. I will avoid it for- uh, for spoiler's sake. Um, but By the look of him, I assume his parents founded Westworld. <laughs> Is he in Westworld? 
No, but he totally looks like doesn't he, he is, look right? like, No, but doesn't he look like that guy that's friends with the other guy? Oh yeah, he looks like he looks like not the man in black guy. Not the man in black guy. The one that plays the sweaty guy from Always Sunny, his friend. Yeah, what? One of the <laughs> McPoyles, his friend. Is is this season two stuff? I don't know. Of what? Westworld? I'm, no. Yeah. Season one. Are we talking about flashback hot guy? Flashback hot guy. I think he looks like flashback hot guy. Who, like, you kind of think is going to be the Men in Black, and then it's Tom York who's the Men in Black. No. He is the one... So, the friend who wears the... who selects the white hat. Right. He's the friend who brings the friend with the white hat to Westworld. Is the friend with the white hat Tom York? No. Looking guy? No, the friend... Who turns out to be the Men in Black? No, the friend with the white hat... Is that a flashback? I haven't seen Westworld in a really long time. No, because remember, there's there's no, there's tall, skinny brunette guy. That's who I'm like, talking about. That's who I'm talking about. He's a flashback guy, isn't he? I don't know. Because because then Tom York guy turns into Man in Black and makes that guy naked and slaps him away, and he's like, "One day I'll find the secret of this bullshit TV show." And then forty years later, he's the Man in Black. Oh my god, is that a? F- uh, I think I'm right. I might be wrong. I don't like Westworld, so we'll see. Ben Barnes. <laughs> Is that him? Ben Barnes? It is him. It's the same fucking person. <laughs> is it the same guy? <laughs> oh, man. Now it's not a tangent. We were doing our jobs. Ha <laughs> 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 I'm so... That's so funny. Yeah, dude. <laughs> man, this is a good prestige <laughs> television actor. <laughs> Sick. What a line of work. Well, in real life, his name is Ben Barnes, and he's just as good looking in person. Ben Barnes, come on the show. We want to talk about your expansive career. Yeah, we apparently were long long term fans. He was also in Chronicles yeah. of Narnia, but we'll get there. Oh, uh, was he one of the kids? Oh my god, I have no idea. We'll okay. get there. We'll get anyway. There. <laughs> anyway, so Curtis does not want to work for Billy for some, for some reason. reason. Cut to the greatest shot to punish her date so far. He's re- he's reading a book. What is, what book is he reading, Donnie? I don't. I can't super tell the full title, but I'm pretty sure the title is Cyborgs and Barbie Dolls. Um, it is indeed called Cyborgs and Barbie Dolls, and uh, it's actually a real book by Kim Toffoletti. Um, and the full title is Cyborgs and Barbie Dolls, Feminism, Popular Culture, and the Post-Human Body. <laughs> Frank is skeptical of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> he's just reading the introduction. He doesn't know yet. That's true. It is funny that he's on, like, page one, <laughs> from what we can tell. He's just, like, staring at my girl, like, what? <laughs> I call this an author photo? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Moby Dick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's fun. I, I awesome. very much enjoy Frank's book club. We gotta keep that running. I don't, so he goes down to, to, I guess, untie or do something with Micah at some point. And I'm gonna put this on the Instagram, but it definitely looks like he's kissing his forehead. It does. I don't think that's what he's doing. Well, <laughs> we'll see. I got Photoshop. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, whispering sweet intimidations into his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> I hate your books. I'll kill you with a book. You like that, nerd? <laughs> you know, my girl's like, come on, man, just let me go. Frank's like, no. No, you chump. There's no way you survived on your own. 
Yeah. Which is a fair point. You know, where does he get groceries? Who cleans up the chip bags? These are questions that we all have, including Frank. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, you know, my girl is kind of like dancing around it. Like, I I am a survivor. We good. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he says something over and over again. I'm the only friend you have, Frank. I'm the only friend you have. This this made me think that someone did this same thing to him um, and with like this exact same terminology and it worked on him. Right. And he like can't and he can't seem to see why it's not working on Frank. Interesting. You know? Yeah, because I feel like he I think this episode is really great because it's where we see a lot of or where we see them try to find a lot of commonalities between frank and micro just purely based on the situation that they're both in they're both in hiding they're both extremely paranoid um but there but there are differences but there are major um, differences like frank did not choose his position Mm -hmm. whereas micros kind of has a choice right this yeah he is playing an angle and maybe it's not the angle that his family would appreciate right in fact, they explicitly told him not to do. Um, yes. You know, but I feel like I feel like this is a really illuminating. Ex- I think that Micro had a lot of assumptions about what Frank was going to be like when he yeah. lo- when he hatched this lofty plan, you know, of getting him in there and getting him to help him. So there's this is relationship building that we're witnessing yeah and i and i will say i do think these two boys have chemistry they do which is nice because thinking about it i haven't really seen the punisher have any sort of relaxed chemistry with anyone you know like in daredevil he's always on the run or yelling at daredevil or in prison or with karen page for a hot second um, and that's always very stressful. Yeah. And then with Karen Page, he's not really himself quite, right. you mm-hmm. know, with her. Um, and I'm not saying that he's being himself with Micros either, but I bet he's being more himself than we've seen in a while. Well, I think that Micro is wearing him down. And I think that he's I think we see the potential for a relationship there in a way that even like even his relationship with Curtis like he trusts Curtis more than anybody in the world but every time he sees Curtis mm-hmm. now he's like really on edge well yeah and every time he sees Curtis he's got to like kind of pretend to be better than he is i think yeah. you know he's not really presenting how he really is yeah. uh, he's kind of also taking care of Curtis Curtis is the therapist that you lie to yes if we ever get a, if we ever get a million dollars let's do this with Hannibal now oh. <laughs> <sighs> tumblr anyway (laughs) anyway so we see a little relationship building and then we cut to quite a flashback this is where we start to see what happened in kandahar i don't this is where my lack of military terminology is going to really come into play um can't wait they're in a room there's a lot of guys that don't you mean an uh, R zone, Libby? Or <laughs> does that stand for room zone? <laughs> we got the room perimeter. So there's a room that's perimetered with a bunch of dudes <laughs> that uh, are we learn um, 
from the slightly larger, older military dude that they have been handpicked <laughs> to be there because they're all good at stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no fighting. You're all good at different things and you all mm-hmm. suck at the other things that other people are better at. He doesn't say that, but it's implied. You're all murderers. I'm sure you don't know. Well, and he's like, we've got you here for one reason. And he says, okay. He's like, this is Operation Cerberus? Cerberus. Cerberus? Cerberus. Cerberus. Like, uh, remember Fluffy and Harry Potter? Yes. Oh, dude. Yeah. I know. He's the hound. like a Cerberus. The hound of Hades. Yeah, big fire dog. In mythology, big fire dog. Anyway, he says, you are my dogs of war. Which you're just like, this guy clearly has everyone's best interest at heart. Yes, clearly. Um, And he outlines what the purpose of their grouping is. It's to capture, interrogate, and execute execute the people that they capture and interrogate first. As they yeah, see no them. bones about it. Yeah. Notably, Castle and Russo are named the team leaders. We find out that they're lieutenants. We also find out that Russo manages to pull off a sense of humor in this gang of murderers. I know, which is like kind of dark. Yeah, he makes a joke and he's not rebuked from it. Ah. It's like, yeah, joking is appropriate. We're murderers. Yeah. It's like, oh, are you? can you get away with this because you're so damn attractive that even all these super scary military men are like, that's just Billy. Beautiful Billy. <laughs> Beautiful Billy. Um, which I believe he is called later in the episode by Frank, which we'll get to. Well, that's his name in the comic books. Beautiful Billy? Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Oh, God, I wish. It's true. Although every time anything is named anything, I'm always like, is that for the comic books? But now I've learned my lesson. Yeah. Well, for for the sake of this podcast, his name is Beautiful Billy now. Uh, Frank's playing the song. He plays the song on the guitar that we hear yeah. from Sad Dad, Sad Dad episode one slash it is the intro song. Play any Kenny Rogers on that thing. Oh, is it? Okay. I didn't notice that. That's nice. Sad Dad at the L Zone. This is Gunner who says... Play any Kenny Rogers? Oh God, yes, God. And then goes on his here to serve the Lord oh. tirade, and then is like, "Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding." Okay, wait. Which shows a second person with a sense of humor. Yeah, and this is that's also a murder. This is not the my wife rule scene. No. Okay, we're still not there. Sorry, I just have a lot of notes about that scene. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah the preacher guy is great. I think in the movie he'd be Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. Mm. And uh, very intense, you know. He like he 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 comes up to Frank and he's like, "Hey, I'm the I'm the gun preacher, I guess, and I, that's why I'm here." And uh, and Frank is like, "Oh, great, cool, cool, cool. I've heard about. I've heard you're the best preacher in the business." Um, and then the guy kind of like amps up his religiosity with Frank and starts quoting Bible verses. And Frank is like tolerant, more tolerant than he would be these days. Um, and then Chris Pratt is like, I'm just kidding. We're murderers. And <laughs> slaps him on the shoulder and walks away. And I'm like, I like this guy, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And then Billy goes, he seems fun. He seems fun, huh? Yeah. Um, there's, there's just a lot of lightness in these in these uh, bunk scenes. Uh, and Billy, Billy makes fun of Frank for having read a poem ever. Uh, yeah, very a Tennyson poem that's obviously about war. Oh, so, Tennyson. Uh, Tennyson died today. 
This <laughs> is our Penny Dreadful podcast. We'll do later. Uh, but uh, uh, I also noticed that Russo is reading Dorian Gray because I love Dorian Gray. And I noticed that was the Barnes and Noble Classics Edition cover. So big fan of this guy also, who ruminates on how hot he is all the time. <laughs> also, I would be into a Dorian Gray starring Billy Russo. Oh, that would be, be good. Wouldn't he be a good? I feel like maybe he'd be a good one. I don't know. Just. Very, uh, he's just so attractive that I'm under his spell. Who can be say? A, he's a very hard Dorian Gray, but I like it. I like it. Oh, so then we're back in the meeting? Yeah. And I, I wrote a woman at group. <laughs> did you see her? She was I there. did see her, yes. They Would framed you? very prominently. Yeah, so that was exciting. Yes. Um, glad to have a little uh, representation since there are a great number of female veterans as well. I was so in this scene we get um is it our young boy who says that he had uh mates who were shot down by friendly fire? Yes. And then um and then that was labeled as uh them getting jumped by an the enemy side, ambush. He thought that was an enemy ambush, which he thought was disgraceful. Yeah. Um to be ambushed. Not that they called it that, but that they would call it something so disgraceful, which I thought was interesting. I mean the way that he made it sound, he was like they were really good at their jobs. You know, they wouldn't have gotten ambushed. Which right, is which is strange because strange. that's not really how this works at all. Right. Know? Yeah. O'Connor is the MAGA guy, but I completely lost track of him without his gun hat or whatever. He was oh, but d- he was wearing an NRA shirt this time. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Well, we'll yeah. see it later. Um, he he gives he gives he gives the young boy a a gun brochure. Yeah, but before that, I think that a a really important theme is brought forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody says I can't remember who it is because I didn't write it down. But somebody says, "What do you do when you can't trust your own?" And I think that that is a, an important question to keep in our back pockets. Yes, and another another thing he says, uh, uh, speaking of the ambush, is is that fr- that his his people were great and they wouldn't be ambushed. But we later discover that uh, Frank is maybe a victim of being ambushed. Um, right, and so. Um, and so that's goof nuts. Uh, oh, also, before we get too far away from it, um, sorry, I didn't mention it before, but in the scene where they get all recruited into that program, it's Schoonover from Daredevil. It is. Yeah. Schoonover is their, is their leader. Uh, yeah. So very nice to see that continuity. Uh, he's also, Schoonover is also the voice of Lex Luthor in the Justice League cartoons. Oh. For you there. That's, a, that's a fun tidbit. But yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I like I like this battle for the for the young veteran's soul that we see going on right. here. Right. Oh, know? so the NRA man in the NRA shirt gives vulnerable baby Lewis a pamphlet for guns. Just guns. <laughs> yeah, it was really just for guns. It was just like, guns. It, hey, have you heard? We upgraded <laughs> we upgraded slings. You know, it's like <laughs> Have you tried guns? <laughs> Have you tried a gun today? It was oh. very strange. It was. It was old too. He'd been carrying around. I know. He just carries day. around those pamphlets. Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah. Um. So obviously that is not a good idea. You know, I don't know if you had a pause, but I was like, ooh, don't give vulnerable baby Lewis a fucking gun pamphlet. Guns are the last thing he needs right now. 
Well, it's it sure did because um it made me think about like what Lewis needs. Um and because he clearly doesn't know what he wants or what he needs. Um and and we have Curtis sort of like trying to walk him into being a civilian and we have MAGA guy O'Connor tr- trying to walk him into being sort of like a uh, a, a a soldier among the civilians yeah. ready to strike up arms or whatever right. and I, and it and it made me wonder like is is this this is this O'Connor's genuine point of view at, at I mean I know it's a general point of view but like is he trying to recruit Lewis because he sees how vulnerable he is you know mm-hmm. is he preying on that as opposed to um you know, is is that is that his recruiting tech? I think know? that whether he's conscious of it or not, that is definitely playing a role. I mean, if somebody like Billy Russo walked in, swagger, mm-hmm. successful, made it out. You know, Curtis keeps talking about he's uh, he says it a couple of times in this episode, but talking about that second life or a second chance yeah. at mm-hmm. life. You know, um, and it sort of pisses me off, actually, that Billy is like, I don't want to, I, I would feel the guilt of, like, being successful if I were to go to group and, like, be an example, you know? Well, yeah. Go but on. it's really, but it feels, in in this scene with Lewis, where it's just utter hopelessness, and, and what's his name, O'Connor? Mm-hmm. O'Connor presents him with this thing that is both like seemingly addressing the present situation and is also something really familiar to him by by yeah. being a weapon. You know, it's like uh this is this is counterproductive, you know. This is it, yeah. going entirely so, like why is this guy even here if not to prey on vulnerable people? Yeah, and it's and it does seem like like uh russo coming to group could introduce just an element of something new mm-hmm. you know because um even when we get to lewis's room later it's just covered in military stuff oh yeah um, and, I, and i just wonder if there is this like inescapable i mean i know that we're talking about this thing being being inescapable and i'm just like treading on what we're already talking about but like it it does seem like like russo could provide an element of there is other stuff besides this but at the same time, I do see where he's coming from because he is beautiful and he is wealthy and he did get out early enough. And I wonder if he would even register as a veteran to them. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I don't know because he's not there. But I wait. So, I mean, we will as we learn more about Billy, it's going to be a really interesting thing to unpack because Billy Russo is a very complex character and there's a lot of reasons for the way that he is the way he is now you know so even though he doesn't on the surface look like your everyday traumatized veteran he's got issues you know anyway he gets the pamphlet we go uh oh and then it cuts to our <laughs> odd couple <laughs> yep uh-huh micro and frank uh things going off again things going off again Micro's like, let me type my password in, whatever. Um, and then he does a thing, and all of a sudden, a camera is on, and it's pointed at Frank. And he's like, let me go, or I'm going to broadcast 
the fact that you're still alive to the entire world because this was my plan if anybody ever came and murdered me like yeah. that's what the alarms are it's not gonna explode it's just gonna send out the signal that we're alive which is a great move on his part billy's got moves billy's got moves like or not billy what's his name micro 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 Mic- has moves micro's, uh, micro's and- god of god of god of ram god of ram yeah Uh, our electric lord um and uh like for example he earlier told frank that he could not cut the thing cut the alarm system because it was was hardwired yeah and and this time when frank goes to um to let him do the retinal scan before he gets there he notices that there's a gun strapped right under his keyboard and, mm-hmm. and micros could have and maybe would have gone for it you know yeah um so we're seeing that micros has moves here maybe enough moves to be a valuable teammate to a murderer like frank castle who who can say though but he you know so he starts talking to frank about why he would be why their situations are more similar than frank perceives them to be and he you know he's like you were following orders. I was just doing my job, which is interesting because what the point that you brought up earlier is a really good point is this idea that Micro had a choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Frank, I mean, I, Frank also had a choice. I mean, oh my God, like future fans, please don't launch the ethical philosophical debate to launch a thousand ships because I'm sorry. Everyone has a choice. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But frank was operating under a different mindset and i think that frank is less willing to accept the comparison well and especially because like frank is doing all of this because there's no way he could ever get back to his family and so i'm sure there's a part of him that's being like do you even love your fucking family they're right. not going back to them and you have the ability to do so or do you yeah. or, or do you just not get it right because you're not me and you think you are but you're not and this is evidence so yeah. i like that as a defining thing between them but i also like that micros can get all uppity about it because he doesn't have the same perspective as frank but he but it feels the same to him you know well and you said so i mean this isn't about their similarities necessarily but are, during the first episode you i think uh you said you made a comment about how you were wondering how frank was going to do without a daredevil figure to call him out on stuff and i feel like we get that in micro you know i feel like micro is is really his own person with his own situation and like knows what he needs from frank and knows what frank needs from him and that just frank allows him to be his beautiful pure comic relief slash hard truth self i'm into that i'm into them yeah we need that dynamic you're not gonna kill me because you're a good man you are you don't know shit you don't know shit so first we see frank's eyes behind the black mask mm-hmm. and they look sad they look tired he's been through a hard time and then, you know, zooms out, we see that it is the familiar scene that we had seen on the disc. Yeah. And so I was I had been looking away for that first shot. So when I look back, I see Frank Superior come in to question the guy. And Frank Superior is just wearing like a blue button up shirt. And a mask. Like Frank in a shirt looks like such a narc. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that was his 
That was his douchebag superior. That was his narc boss, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're questioning this guy because so it's something we kind of didn't really talk about, but in the previous scene where Micro is talking to him about why they are similar, he's also like, you killed this guy. He's a good, he was a good guy. He had a family. He was a cop. Bah, bah, bah. So now we see this guy and he's, you know, strung up and has been beaten to all hell and they're questioning him. He doesn't have the answers that they want. He's like, I'm a good guy. And you can tell because it's just fucking terrible to witness and and so tragic. And then the dumb looking dude in the blue button up with the black mask makes a hand gesture to Frank mm-hmm. in his mask. And Frank walks over and shoots him in the head. And that's it. And that's it. That's the video. No hesitation. No hesitation. You, or you get the first indications of the shell that Frank has become in war. He's just automatic. So it's really awful, but also really illuminating because this is this is the thing that was on the video that Micro had, and and this is one of the things that Frank is presumably full of regret about, mm-hmm. whether following orders or not. You know, this is a dark episode. Yeah, it sure is, but I really liked it. It's really hard to make humor about things so heavy um, <laughs> but but it was a really good episode and this is the this is the beauty of the punisher yes. you know uh-huh. our genre the genre of our all, podcast is gonna change for sure i know it's not all it's not all fun and vengeance no it's not all it's not all skull shirts and belt loops no there's like real people i mean real fictional characters <laughs> <laughs> but it's a dialogue that can be that can be uh applied to real people if you have jokes about this scene, please send them forward to uh, at FunisherPod. Yeah, you can use a laugh. Can't find one right now. Oh, we're about uh, to find. We're about to find a big old one. Okay, are we? Oh yes, we are. Okay, well, uh, it's Frank's birthday. But uh, uh, happy birthday to, to Frank. Frank. Yeah, so, so he opens um, up a letter, and what? And, uh, well, we see him looking at a birthday card. He's touched. It's clearly mm-hmm. made by his kids. Sparkles everywhere. Great. He opens up another card. And he's like, my wife is the fucking best. I love my wife. I love my wife. Oh, I love my wife. I love my wife. And I'm like, is this about to be a Polaroid scene? But I no. thought it was. Yep, it's not. Uh, no, his, his, uh, his wife has gotten him tickets for... Bruce Springsteen. Hell yeah. God of Dad Rock for when he <laughs> returns home to Long Island, I guess. New um, Jersey. Come on. New Jersey. I don't know. I, thought, I mean I thought he no, I, I thought he mentioned that he was in Long Island. I mean he might have been in Long, Long Island, Island, but Bruce Springsteen is from New Jersey, which is funny. Okay, well he's 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 uh he's making the trip up to Long Island to go play for Frank Castle and his family. <laughs> and so we're very excited for Frank. And for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and, for, and for Bruce to have such an illustrious audience. So it's still Frank's birthday, which is, if anybody is wondering, November 15th, he is a Scorpio. Oh, a Scorpio. Makes sense. Meaning that he's very emotional and extremely stubborn, which I say are both qualities that Frank Castle embodies. Um, so it's uh, the scene where Billy and 
Curtis are drinking by Frank's grave. Oh, yes. Frank's grave from Daredevil. Frank's grave from Daredevil. There it is. They're sipping on something that is probably whiskey and probably not rosé. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Russo's like, man, man, if only Frank Castle were literally alive right now. Man, the things I'd say to my living bud, Frank the Punisher Castle, if only he was alive today for us to talk to him. And Curtis is like, yeah, if only he was alive yes, today. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> um would be cool yeah so they're like you know billy's like uh why didn't he come to us and it's like yeah because your really emotionally forthcoming friend frank castle did a weird thing by not confiding about emotions in you okay it's fine but he did confide in curtis he did. Which maybe sort of speaks to the difference between Curtis and Russo, you know? I mean, Curtis is... Because he could have gone to Russo also. Yeah. But there's something, you know, there's something about Billy beyond his pretty face that, you know, maybe maybe makes him less trustworthy. I don't know. But I feel like, you know, this is like kind of a repeat of what we pick up in his first interaction with Curtis earlier in the show. And when he and when he's yeah. like, oh, you know, are we still on for tonight? And then it turns out to be for Frank's birthday. I feel like you don't get the impression that they hang out, even though they're in the same city. You know, they're not war buddies. They're Frank is their connector. We didn't really see much of Curtis in the Cerberus stuff, did we? Well, because he wasn't there. He wasn't there. And that's something that they talk about because he he makes some comment to Billy. He's like, oh, he wasn't the same after that time. And Billy's like, what do you know about that? And Curtis kind of, it seems almost like he's fumbling. He's like, oh, he called me while he was overseas to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, you're real. it's really lucky that you're not here. But Russo would probably be like, that would never happen. They would never let him do that. Right. So Russo is probably like, mm, which is planting a seed, maybe. I don't know. And then we go to Mom Donnie. Mom Donnie. Mom Donnie. Avisarala. Um, whose name I looked up whose name I looked up, but unfortunately is I could not find a uh verbal pronunciation of it, so I don't feel confident saying it yet. Shor Shora Agdashlu. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't know somewhere. if that's the correct way to pronounce it, and I apologize if it's not. But anyway, we love you. Come on the show. We love you. Please come on the show. Uh your voice cures Ugh. everything. Do you have an Audible contract oh. yet or what? Oh my god, can you imagine? Can you read the Jungle Book to me? <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, Mama Madani is talking to Dina and she's like, you should be the commander. Also, you're arrogant and you don't trust anyone and maybe you should trust people. That's life. How we deal with disappointments is what decides the person we are. Yeah, but I'm not talking about someone turning up late for dinner or buying the wrong flowers. You know what? You are arrogant. And more than a little self-important. But you'll have to trust someone sometime. Though I wonder if it isn't the other way around. After what happened with your friend, perhaps you're terrified someone will choose to trust you. And she keeps alluding to something that happened with her friend. Yes, I was wondering, is that something I missed? Or have we seen that yet? I don't think we've seen it yet. Okay. Because I think they were keeping it intentionally vague, but we were meant to pick up on the fact that something happened and there is a reason why Madani is 
here now Mm -hmm. why she is distrustful of things or like not feeling comfortable getting too close to anything oh then we get a flashback dream the usual he's woken up by his wife just just sleepy this time not sleepyhead yeah just sleepy but so which is interesting because it's starting to ramp up you know Mm -hmm. like last time we got we saw a little bit more like his wife was shot in the head but we you know, we didn't see the face behind the mask, but this time we see it. And of course, it is Frank. Mm. Dark stuff. Dark stuff. Um, if I was reading a comic book, I would have assumed there was a clone program. Yeah. Frank was like one of a million clone murderers. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Anyway, so you see that. Then he wakes up. Then I don't really remember what happens, but micro. Oh, Micro has to enter the password again. And then he does a smart ass ninja move. And he, the pen that he is using is actually a needle. I'm sorry, Ugh, he gets him. Boop. He gets him. And this is why we, this is when we start to see that maybe Frank isn't. Maybe Frank is in need of someone smarter than him around a little bit. Yeah, maybe Frank needs a little help too. And my girl's like, no shit, I've been saying that this whole time that you've left me naked and wet in this chair. Yeah, I was naked and wet in a chair. This spook got you in like 20 minutes. He calls himself a spook. I really like that spook. I know, line. he's great. He's great. Yeah. Anyway, but before all that happens, we cut back to uh, Blonde Baby Lewis, who is having a bad dream. Mm. Um. And then we see an older man. It's not super clear who he is. He's walking down the stairs and he's like, Lewis. And Lewis hears him, wakes up and grabs a gun from underneath his pillow and shoots it in the direction of the person that we then come to find out is his father. And he does not hit him, but but the threat is real. And he is shook yeah real shook. he is not happy about it he's like oh my god i could have killed you i could have killed you and his dad is reacting in like a super dad way he like swoops in and he holds him and he's crying and it's just extremely extremely emotional great great acting for both of these guys yeah. i loved i loved his like his like like his like ravaged sleeping he was doing it was like he it was like he was about to vibrate off the bed it was very good stuff it's it's interesting seeing scenes like that now i mean we're still early in the show but i think that we get really caught up in the in the frank content but there's a lot of other stuff that takes place in this season that i think is really important really good yeah i hesitate to say cool because it's not cool because it's really sad um really upsetting but but very important content like i said in the first like i said in the first episode punisher is a great deal about ptsd and i think that that is one of its strongest values so pen drop i just dropped my pen pen drop pen stab yeah the tone of this episode is really (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. I had fun watching it, but describing it, I'm it's like, hard. oh boy. Yeah, I know. This is hard. Okay. Um, so, Chump pulls Wolf's bank records, and then we find out that Carson Wolf had $30 million in offshore bank accounts, and Madani's like, everyone is a suspect. Except you. And Chump is like, 
You came in here with a bug up your ass about a case nobody wanted and all this we're not partners stuff, but now you want me to keep your secrets. Yeah. Who you think you are? And he like walks away and he's hurt and she's like, Sam. No, she says, Stein. Sam. And then I wrote down Sam Stein. Also, of course, his name is Sam. I was wondering for a second if she didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Sal. <laughs> Stu. Svar. <laughs> Svar, yes. Popular New York City cop name. Yeah. Anyway, so we learned his name, and that was the really poignant part of that scene for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Frank is out of it. He's like, why didn't you kill me? My girl's like, dude, I'm not going to kill you. You, have you not been listening to anything I've been saying this entire time? And Frank says, Lieberman, I don't do partners. Yeah. And Micro's like, again, <laughs> are you not listening to anything I'm saying? We go to the flashback with the Springsteen tickets. Okay, great. The biggest notable part of this uh, was that Frank laughed. You ever think about maybe quality over quantity? <laughs> pick a winner settle down god made me this way for a reason bro <laughs> it, it, it'd be wrong not to share the wealth you know what i'm saying share the wealth reminders that he was once more human a human yeah. person okay so now we're now we're in the compound uh or now we're uh in the in the in the war room talking about mm-hmm. what they are going to do which uh yeah and and so they describe sort of a plan to go get this big tough leader that they've been trying to get forever um and have never really had a chance at and uh they're gonna have to land and they can get him but they're gonna have to land their helicopter weird they're gonna have to walk no air support no air support they gotta walk in on foot all kinds of stuff and um frank immediately thinks this is a trap because this is exactly what he would do yeah because they are now a known quantity yeah which he says that people call them the American Taliban. This man has been a target for months. His whereabouts are finally confirmed. We're not going to get this chance again. So what, now he's just here. He's, he's just waiting to be caught where there's no easy exfil, where the terrain makes it a death trap. You got any idea what they call teams like ours? They call us the American Taliban because we go in the middle of the night. People disappear. We have been doing it for a year. All right. Now look, they know about us. They want us dead. I think this is a trap. I think it's a trap because it's exactly what I would do. And dumbass blue button-up shirt dude is like, I pointed, now you need to shoot. Or some shit. And you're like, oh, God. Some bullshit bureaucratic shit. Big-ass nostril loser douchebag. Yeah, he's the worst. They're like, Scoovener. What's his name? Scoonover. Scoonover. Scoovener. Scoovener. Scrivener. (laughs) Scrivener. Oh. (laughs) great writing program um <laughs> scoot over is like billy what do you think and billy's like i trust frank and blue shirt guy's like i don't tr- i trust the intelligence that i pay i paid a lot of money for we're gonna do my blah, plan blah, blah. And you're like great well this is gonna end really well i can tell so mm-hmm. um now they are just in the midst of this ambush and Schoonover's arm gets blown off. Okay, I was wondering if that was Schoonover. Okay, cool. It was. And he only had one arm in Daredevil, that's right. Now, uh, Frank says something very significant in this scene that I have been waiting to talk to about this whole episode. Was it? Hold on. Sorry. Comic moment. Was it? (gasps) 
<laughs> no, but I did love that. Okay. It was right it was right before that okay. <laughs> when he's running around, he says, I gotta get home to the boss. I loved that. Yes. Uh the boss is his mo- his his wife. Uh no, Libby. The boss is the most popular nickname of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Dad Rock. Dad Rock. <laughs> oh shit, dude. I gotta get home to the boss. So that's what was happening there. Well, which I thought that is so funny. Just the best. That I yeah. can't. I. <laughs> I was like, I love that he thinks of his wife as the boss of his family. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It is a Bruce. Gotta get to Long Island for those center seats. <laughs> Holy shit! That is amazing. I never would have known. Which is a shame because I love is, Bruce Springsteen. I don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen. Is he cool? Uh, oh yeah. I'll okay. make you a mix. All right. Make you a mixtape. Please please do. I have no idea even where to yeah. start. I'll make you what I imagine the Punisher's favorite songs are. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So yeah, big dramatic ambush scene. Um, and then very reminiscent of Serenity Valley. Yeah. But then his plan is to go in alone. He's gonna just like eliminate everybody by himself. <laughs> that is a good plan, it seems. I'll just go kill all the people shooting at us. Know what your know your strengths, I guess, because he does that. That's, That's literally true. what happens. He does do that exact thing. Some very intense shotgun acting from everyone involved. Yeah, no, it's it was just awful, you know. But but it's a it's a really interesting scene in the sense that as it continues, you can kind of see him devolve, yeah, more and more into this just like out of body, super animalistic killer. Yeah, he he. Yeah, one. And that's the first time that we. Sorry, um, but like that courtroom scene that we cited at the during the first episode, you know, where he just loses it. He's like, Here I am, you know, like that is what I thought of. Yes, him tapping into for the first, maybe not for the first time, but in general, it was like a giving over to this instinct. Yeah, this is yeah. It seems to be a bit of an origin story for when exactly he might have started to snap. Bomb goes off, and then they they get he's in. He gets shot, and there's one last fight. Where correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems to kill someone and then double back to pulp their face in. Is that what? Yeah, over, yeah. He overkills real mm. hard, and then in the next scene, he chunders some bloody vomit, and it's the most disgusting. Yeah, it's chunky vomit for sure. It's chunky vomit. And then his his boss, the narc, comes in and keeps trying to ask if they got the target. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, I wrote. I wrote most punchable face. Yes, and he does punch that face. Does Thank he, God. Does he punch his eye out, or is it? He doesn't punch it out, but he punches it with such force that it seems like a bunch of blood vessels may have burst or something because his eye is extremely red. Some kind yeah. of unnatural bleeding. And then Russo pulls him into the other room and is like, listen, you know how this works. You can't get so emotional. It's never going to be this guy's fault. Um, if you if you hate this so bad, then get out. I am. And clearly this is news to Frank 
because he's like what and billy's like i'm going i requested a transfer back to the force like can't do that anymore what is it that made frank um, feel like he had to stay i wonder because it seems like it seems like russo moving is almost like wait i thought i thought this is just we were what we were now like like there wasn't any getting out well, almost i wonder if this is so the military is so rank oriented that i wonder if you elevate to a certain point if you feel like going back to something else would be like a demotion or something or it's like once you've been in this then you can't you can't go back from that yeah i guess we don't really know much about frank's military motivations but i also don't know much about the military maybe that's not even like a thing that people have you know it's just like this is a thing i was gonna do and i'm doing it you know yeah i mean if anybody has any insight as to why frank might feel like he can't get out of this we would really love to hear it yeah we sure would call in and uh and we should we should seek to have some veterans on the show probably huh yeah so now we are back with frank and micro and micro's like you need me just as bad as i need you like holy shit because he so frank wake has woken up from his being out of it thing and he's like you drugged me <laughs> he's like you know he's made frank tea micro did because he's just fucking gem um mm-hmm. he's back in his comfy clothes he's like now I've been homeschooled since fourth grade. I and I've been all up on computers since then. I have never once worn a silk robe on the computer. I'm just saying it's a trope that I have not seen wear out true. <laughs> well, maybe you just haven't found the right one yet. That's true. I've never tried it. Maybe I'm missing out. Yeah, I don't know. But yes, I did. I did enjoy his drugged acting. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was great. He couldn't really walk, which required micro to wheel frank somewhere in a chair mm-hmm. which was so cute yeah i'm sure he loved that yeah i was just like this is this is adorable um but he so he brings them to the computer where he has been doing research based on what frank had told him and he's like listen man your operation totally off the books they basically tricked you into being a hitman that Oof, that really stung there. Um, just, the, just the idea that that could happen so easily, it seems. And what does that say for what Frank has done, you know, and how he perceives his, his past behaviors? Yeah, how's his moral high ground? That's a hard thing to learn. But if there is a positive thing to come out of it, it seems to be the thing that kind of latches his trust of Micro in place. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, like... We're going to do this together. One condition, they die. No trials, no bullshit. Yeah, and Micro seems 5% reluctant about that, but is amenable to, yeah. to Frank's conditions. The last line of this episode is, yeah, I can live with that. And that's great. So, uh, Libby, how does rewatching Kandahar treat you? <sighs> so, honestly, I feel exhilarated in the mm-hmm. sense that I, this is, this is why I love punisher series you know we're finally starting to get into it charisma uh, variety intrigue you know all of those things but just like complex difficult content that is very tied into a lot of people's realities yes it's very complex (laughs) great comedy sourcing 
think. Great I'm, comedy uh, sourcing. Great comedy sourcing. Yeah, it's really good that we decided to have a comedy podcast about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I am enjoying uh, that the show has also taken the position that the Punisher is stupid. I appreciate that. But he reads all the time. <laughs> well, he's got to. <laughs> but just because just because he reads doesn't mean he understands oh my god you know, i think he's you know. i think he's probably very smart no i think he's so smart too. enough to not get super caught after all of this time hey true 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 still miss the beard though yeah well we all do uh yeah i liked it i um i i can see what this show is turning into and i am here for it yeah i give this one four out of five bullets uh in in my teeth <laughs> Um, special bullet goes out to Russo, who I feel really shined in this episode. Yeah, no, this is definitely a, a Billy Russo, Billy Russo beauty hour. Do you have an ammo rating for this episode? Our classic segment. <laughs> um, I would say, yeah, I would say four out of five bullets. You know, because I feel like we're just scratching, we're just scratching the surface. There's a lot, but I feel excited for what is to come because I feel like we're going to really now's the chance to deep dive into our characters and get some action that is not frivolous well you know who's never frivolous with his actions is our little friend called the punisher (laughs) that's right gang it's time for another episode of Hey, welcome to Has the Punisher Killed You. I'm, I'm your host, Tony Rolls. shit. <laughs> and uh, uh, coming, uh, coming on the show today is uh, Libby Hunt from Boston. Hey, Libby. Nice oh my to see God. you on the show here. So today, you're going to be guessing, has the Punisher killed a particular character in the Marvel Universe? Are you ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready to play. Has the Punisher killed spider-man yes so you just put him in the morgue you goddamn right i do did i get it yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm so excited finally (laughs) in the original appearance of the punisher punisher is manipulated by the supervillain jackal into taking on spider-man when he does take the shot at spider-man he misses due to peter spider sentence and the two end up teaming up to take down the the jackal however in the alternate universe comic what if number 58 the punisher tries again this time using a different tactic he rids a dr octopus dummy with a bomb and sets it off when spidey gets close killing the webhead after peter's death punisher realizes his mistake and sets his sights on the jackal as the punisher takes the jackal out however the nypd have him in their crosshairs and castle goes out at the same time oh so you are right how many times how many times do you think that the punisher has died in different spin-off series well the punisher can only kill so many recognizable marvel characters so maybe that'll be the next part of our game <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks to all you at home for joining us for Your voice is also in there. It's just uh, glitchier. So we'll have you record that again at some point. Yeah, my voice sounds like it's like half a second later than everything else. (laughs) It's very overwhelming. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks again for joining us on episode three of The Punisher or The Funisher. Uh, Libby, where can people find you on the Internet? 
Uh, people can mostly find me on Instagram. Uh, you can hit me up at Libby Diggs or Libby Diggs Art, where you can check out some of my cool doodles. Some of them may be Punisher themed sometime mostly Ooh. game of thrones themed <laughs> <laughs> what a transition uh and you can find me all over the internet at don shot first or at jason mimosa for my cosplay you can follow us on instagram at funisher pod and uh follow our sister shows uh the DD actual play podcast abandoned quest at abandoned pod quest or the uh the uh Deep Space Talk Show Void, also starring Libby Hunt at um, Good Ship Devilry on Twitter. Uh, Thanks again for joining us here at The Punisher. And from all of us here at The Punisher. Punisher, dude. Sorry. Joining us here at The Punisher. And for all of us here at The Punisher, let's Let's bugaloo. bugaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night.